and welcome to episode 276 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, and we do have Brad Martin joining us again today. Alex is away, uh, reasonable circumstances, I can confirm. Jack, I don't have a reason for. Could be linked to the Abramovich poisoning. I'm not I'm not sure. He's I'm, on a revenge I'm, mission. I'm not, yeah, I'm not implying he's involved. <laughs> that would be a real... If he was alibi, was him defending him the other week, TK, and then only... We have to, we have to release a statement for the pods <laughs> as to where Jack's gone. Um, but, Brad, before we even get started, when I was adding you to this call, it says the last time you were on was over a year ago, which doesn't sound right. I think it was the 22nd of November I was last on. Okay, I maybe they, know, they just count yeah. it as... As soon as it's like it's last year. Slightly, I don't know if it's a slightly different podcast with different people on that I was. No, I think on. Skype's I probably think just was... counting 2021 and they count that as over a year ago. So. Uh, maybe, yeah. There we go. Um, Not a lot of news this week. We will get into the one headline, which I think every podcast on the planet is going to be discussing today. I've seen numerous think pieces on Twitter, but we'll get to that, I'm sure. Um, In lighter news. There is a woman, I've not read the details of it, but the headline is, I let a baby bird nest in my hair for 84 days. Blimey. And I've got so many questions. Did she work? Was she going into work with like the bird <laughs> in her hair? <laughs> when she was snoozing, did the birds just like sync up with her sleeping pattern? Um, why, I guess, is the overriding question. How big was her hair? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of that. <laughs> um, we do have some headlines that I think are almost themed towards you this week, Brad, as well. Um, oh, blimey. Jesus, we get <laughs> oh, no, not the way you think it's going. We're going uh, heavy on the editing this week. <laughs> former Texas government employee convicted of stealing $1.2 million worth of fajitas is uh, eligible for parole next year. So uh I did really wonder where you were going with that. Yeah, <laughs> nice to say, nice to say for okay. Yeah, I was expecting something different to feed. You're all good. Yeah. It is a Friday night feature in the uh, Martin Warmington household. And the other headline I have, you may have seen this, um paralyzed man uses brain implants to communicate first words in three months, where he asked, Get me a beer. <laughs> yeah, the get me a beer bit is definitely catered to me but the not being able to talk is definitely Sean Shoot. <laughs> well I mean he's paralysed I think uh, he can do more, more than just not being able to talk um, the thing and because I haven't read further into the headline of this and I don't know if it's disrespectful to debate this kind of thing but um, I imagine this guy's thinking capacity is completely there by the fact that he's able to communicate like this so has he had the time and he's got to think like, what is the coolest thing here that I can make my first request be? And he's just settled <laughs> on, get me a beer. He was probably parched, wasn't he? So there we go. That is literally the headlines of the week. Um, Maybe that'll become the new, you know, like um, what meal would you have on death row? If you were paralyzed, <laughs> your first words, what would they be? Don selfed. Oh, don't. Um, so yeah, I think all of us probably saw this, the same thing when we first went online this morning, and that was the uh, aftermath, or well, yeah, the aftermath of the Oscars uh, involving Will Smith and Chris Rock. Um, 
said last week I had COVID. I'm feeling a lot better than I did last week if uh, that came across on, on the airwaves last week. Um, but I was waiting for my uh, COVID test, see if I could uh, go into work, kind of perched on the end of my bed. And I just scrolled down and it said something like uh, Will Smith's alleged altercation with Chris Rock. And I don't know why so many sources <laughs> have been saying like appears to strike. And it's all, we can all see the same thing here. I don't know what like who you think you're covering. Um but I don't know what I expected to see, but it wasn't that. And then the aftermath, it like I think I was tired of it by about eleven o'clock. Yeah, there has been some serious reaction to it, hasn't it? To the point where like you know, like you got like Richard Madeley is calling out Chris Rock yeah. on Good Morning Britain. You're like, oh god, Chris Rock really can't catch a break, can he? Oh, Richard and you, you're having a go at you. Sean's still trying that... to keep it going in the group now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's probably uh, doing that thing where he pretends he's been working all day. Only just had time to get to this. Um, <laughs> him, uh, Richard, uh, going on about it. He said that he had an unpleasant experience with him when he was doing a joint interview with Ben Stiller. It was probably his like fiftieth in interview of the day, talking about playing a zebra in Madagascar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not a lot of fun. I can understand why he probably wasn't too enthused. Especially as Richard Mead is now kind of notorious for kind of being very Alan Partridge esque. Yeah. Imagine if he started like that with Chris Rock. Yeah, and then you've got um, what's his name, the bloke that had an awful time doing the cinnamon challenge. I put it in there. Oh, that was hilarious. That's Mike Summit. Mike Parry, uh, is it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Him shadow boxing on like the Jeremy Vine <laughs> show, saying he, sh- he should have approached the stage and said, Look here, you square up on stage at the Oscars. That's a fisticus. Yeah, he's a my, first, my first reaction when um, I saw it, I thought he'd punched him in the arm. And I thought that was really weird. I thought he got <laughs> all the way up on stage and like second guessed himself and he just like, yeah, chucked him it. in the arm like birthday beats. Um, yeah, there's people saying I can't believe he was allowed to go back to his seat. We were talking last week about the Everton fan that handed over a knife and was giving it back after he was uh... <laughs> So I think when you're Will Smith, you probably do get some extra privileges. It would seem so. Just the way that like everyone's still laughing when he shouts it. Uh, keep I think they thought it was all of, a... Uh, keep your, my wife's name out of your mouth for the first yeah. time. The second um, one, everyone's like, everyone's, oh shit. Yeah, like, everyone's still like... Oh, like they're just joking. Like it's deep. like they're acting or something. And then the second one is like, oh, actually, maybe, yeah, maybe we have seen that. Maybe that he has gone too far. Yeah, it's Few <laughs> things wind me up is instances like this, and particularly after fights, is um, the people that do full th- full Twitter threads claiming they've uh, cracked it and it's all fake. Yeah, and they're slowing things down and saying like. Chris Rock was moving backwards before the shot landed. It's like, well, yeah, you flinch. That's kind of <laughs> yeah, what happens. Yeah, well, like, if someone's swinging a hand towards your face, and it's just that was planned. That whole thing afterwards doesn't happen. But it's like, who, Chris who, gains, who gains from that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. People going, oh, the ratings went up, and it's like, well, it didn't go up in the moment because you had to tune in to see it. Yeah, so you tune yeah, in yeah. after the fact, and then once everyone's just kind of having a normal time, you flip back over. I don't think we're going to tune in annually thinking this is going to be an annual thing now, right? Who's getting the slap this year then? I'm not sure that's going to happen. 
maybe that's something they bear in mind moving forwards. But I don't know. I quite like the. Did see a radio show like comparing it to when they mixed up. Was it La La Land? Yeah, and um, like, Moonlight. We did need some drama. Yeah, we did need some drama at the Oscars. So is this <laughs> a bigger drama? Probably is. To be fair, like yeah, yeah just just a little bit, just slightly. And then uh, Will Smith quoting what Denzel supposedly just told him, saying like, "At your highest moment is when the devil will be on your shoulder" or something. So I don't think that quote applied to you slapping someone because they insulted your wife's alopecia. Like, that isn't what that quote applies to. <laughs> Although the Denzel's just going around with these quotes. He's, a, he's not actually ever acting in any of these films. He's just a walking quote. Knows, he knows his role. I, me and Keenan have spoke about it several times on a Thursday podcast now where we always go back to that clip of him in that, like, neighbourhood where he's shaking that kid's hand and he's like... You don't know who I am, but uh, your parents are going to tell you someday. And it's like, there's no one else in the world that could say that and not sound like a dick. And Denzel just has this just yeah. energy yeah, where, yeah. yeah, he's just a man. He can he can do what he pleases. I like that Bradley Cooper was in the middle of there as well. Um, like Denzel had maybe talked to him some way off the ledge and then Bradley Cooper had to get his hands on his shoulders and have a word. And then Tyler Perry was getting in there as well. Just a risk. Jump in, see if you can get a rough time though, hasn't he, really? Like. He's been told on live TV, like not even off air, that he's had a bloody affair. On I think that's probably, yeah. Probably the thing is, it isn't even an affair. Like, defend, well, he's now got a defender because someone's taken a piss out of her. Well, their, their whole thing is, I mean, supposedly between them, uh, they have an open relationship because half the things I've seen today is like, so Will Smith will allow this to happen, but not this. And it's all, maybe the two don't completely. Or relate with each come other. On. And come on, let's call it what it is. He's a cuck. Let's call it what it is. You could say that. I'm not going to uh, insult Will Smith. Listen, I listen. Everyone's got this whole thing with him. I like him. I like his films. I'm not going to pretend he hasn't been a total bitch about the whole thing. Literally got outed in front of his wife, then had to say they're in a roast open relationship because she acknowledged she cheated, and then a comedian made a joke, shocker, and he had to go and slap him. Couldn't even hit him. A bit weird. I think it's more disrespectful well, like to slap films, someone. To be honest. Sorry. It's, I think it's more disrespectful to slap someone. Yeah, you could be right. Because he's done that before. There was that um, photographer that kissed will, him, wasn't there? Did a bit more damage. Do you remember that? He was on the red carpet and some photographer like kissed him on the cheek. I mean, that's more, more than fair reason to slap someone. And he slapped him and you can hear him say, he, he, he touched my lip or, <laughs> or something. Um, we should give credit to the two of them, though, because... No one's interested in the Oscars, and we've got an international break, and they've given us something. Yeah, yeah. Well, part of it is... A couple of heroes. The stuff after it, like I've seen, and Facebook is like a gutter as it is, but <laughs> I've seen people share like a picture of Will Smith, and it's like, uh, this man has been through this, he, he's been through this, he, he's been through this, this is a man that couldn't take any more, and it's like, how do you know what's going yeah, through Will yeah. Smith's head? <laughs> like, you sat around the dinner table with him? I think yeah. his whole thing is... For well, probably before this year, his whole thing was that he was almost unreasonably happy. Like he was one of those celebrities who just always seemed to be having the best time, which maybe yeah. he was. I mean, it's probably the most human we've seen him just reacting like that. And these famous people think they can get away, and well, they know they can get away with more than we can. So maybe it is just completely fathomable that he said something he didn't like. He got up there and slapped him. Everyone trying to equate it to like other situations. Yeah, there's been a lot of what about it. it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
Did he not say? like it though? His first reaction this, wasn't exactly Yeah, that like initial it. laugh is Is it exactly what I'm talking about? It's, look, look, you can make excuses for him if you want, but I'm not he, I I mean I don't like bitch, him. I don't like him that much. I mean I feel like I've got to defend iRobot a bit because that's been shut on quite a bit. Now that is true. Years. That film does deserve it. I did respect. like that film. But the whole thing of he did laugh is sometimes you do do a like sort of an awkward laugh, don't you? Yeah. And then but, yeah, he probably did. There's there's no uh, arguments about who wears the trousers in that relationship. Yeah, she's a uh, she's an odd one. I'm just playing the uh, devil's advocate there. I did see his son um, did a tweet after, and he was like, "That's what we do." And someone's quote tweeted it with uh, a picture of him getting his ass kicked in the karate. Kick. Yeah, like, I know this isn't <laughs> you piping up here. <laughs> I think quite a few people had the same idea there because I've seen a same. video of him getting his uh, getting beaten up in that video as well in that yeah. film too. Last uh, summer, well, up until about a couple of months back, when I was completely shaving my head, didn't see any of you defending me when people would uh, rub my head or something like that. So, a bit disappointed in all of you. No one wanted any of that smoke with you. They thought you were a thug with that shaved head. <laughs> Jason Statham, I think, was the look I was going for, but. Didn't quite pull that off. Anyway. Look like as... Grant Mitchell. Oh, I'll take that to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> is that the boss? Not is that bad Ross look. Kemp? Yeah, Ross Kemp's not bad. Oh, look. yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm honest. I'll certainly take that. Um, clean up the streets of Brockworth. <laughs> as you referenced, it is the international break. News broke, I would say, at the start of last week that Man United had held. Uh, some kind of interview with Eric Ten Hag over the possibility of becoming the new manager at Old Trafford. They say talks were described as positive, with the club impressed by his philosophy and vision. There were talks about transfer targets and some of these other things there. It's also believed that the club have an interest in Pochettino, as well as two other managers. If I get all the news out of the way first, Louis van Gaal has told Ten Hag to reject the interest of United as they're a commercial club and not a football club. Whereas multiple sources close to the club say that Pochettino is the real top target. Alex Ferguson has a long-held admiration for him, having enjoyed a lunch with him at Scott's Restaurant in Mayfire in 2016. <laughs> uh, oh, give him the job, though. <laughs> oh. That's always gone so well so far. So so, yeah, they've had a chat with him to see what he thinks but they'd say it's not believed Ferguson will offer anything more than a light touch so maybe they have learned some kind of lesson first things first here Brad I've noticed a definite switch in the past year with United fans shifting to Ten Hag over Pochettino would you be disappointed with either of them? I'd be more disappointed with Poch I think I'd, people say about his style of play when he was at Tottenham, did he really have that much of a like style of play or was it just he had a very good squad at the time when he was there? I mean, he's not gone into PSG and obviously he's not set the world alight. They're going to win the league, league end, but PSG win that pretty much every year, so other than last year. Um, you effectively get judged for not winning it, don't you? Yeah, well, you get judged for not winning the Champions League. That's what you get judged on, isn't it? Well, mm. But they never win that. So I think he went into a bit of a poison chalice by going to PSG. If he'd have stayed at Tottenham, then I'd probably be saying, yeah, he's probably the man for the job. But the fact he's gone there, they've thrown 
ridiculous money at Messi and they still can't get the job done even when they're, what was it, 2-0 up on aggregate with 20 minutes to go or whatever it was. Like, I'm not saying it's him, it's obviously the players and there's more to it, but there's just something that clearly follows him around that he, he just can't seem to get over the line in those like big occasions. Whereas, I think with Ten Hag, I know he's obviously been at Ajax for a while now, but he's... And the academy at Ajax does obviously give you that style of play because they, they teach it from a very young age. Yeah. But I think in the position we're in at the moment, we almost need to go back to like, the basics and look at how we like provide for the future for the club. Because realistically, you could go and spend £500 million and it not get any better in the summer. Obviously, you'd hope that if you spent that kind of money, that it would. But sometimes you've got to say, actually, no, I don't think we need to spend as much money, but let's go back to the academy and let's look at what the future holds for us because that's effectively... Our under-18s, I think, are actually pretty good at the moment. So our under-23s. We brought in a lot of lads from Spain, I think it was about three years ago, um, and Argentina, because we've got that Garnacho who's obviously on international duty. Um but you, you almost want to see the fruits of what we're actually providing through the academy. Well, it's not now, like... I it's not like think it's... United, probably, United fans probably aren't going to be too happy with that kind of approach because they're so used to, or we've been so fortunate to be always challenging. But at the same time, without spending ridiculous money and throwing ridiculous wages at people, I don't, it's, it's, not, it's not viable as a business. Obviously, I know what you said there about being a commercial club rather than a football club. But sometimes you have got to look at the club as a business because you can't just keep throwing money at people and hoping it gets better. No, it's, um, it's not. It's not going to work. It's not. It's not like it's a new concept. But the the team that we've seen it most recently with is Arsenal, and whether they end up in the top four or whether they don't, I was quite scared. I saw a. Champions League compilation made yesterday with uh, an Arsenal version. I thought, blimey, this isn't going to look good at the end of the season. <laughs> but there was an acceptance uh, when Arteta came into the club that effectively they were going to ride out with this guy. They were going to gut the club at great expense. And then we're going to back this guy to be the one to take us forward. And so you build the club in the manager's image rather than this is the best right midfielder on the market. We'll get him. This is the best striker on the market. And if you get Ten Hag through the door, do you have a belief that United would allow a process like that to happen? Because there was a lot more Arsenal fans kind of turning their nose up at it, myself probably included somewhat, um, until you can start to see it play out. But Arteta's been yeah, here... Yeah, until, until you start seeing the fruits of it, it's always going to be difficult to watch. But Arteta's had over, time, over 100 appearances and we're just starting to see it, what, in the last like six to eight months? So it's whether United are prepared to go through that. I don't personally think most United fans would be happy to. Now, I like to think myself is quite level-headed. So I'd, as long as you could see that there was like a pattern forming, not in, like, I'm not expecting them to, him to come in in August, first game of the season, us to be playing like passes, like playing out from the back every single time we get it. That's just not going to happen. That's not viable, but at least you start seeing like patterns forming over like a couple of months or like a couple of seasons, then I think I'd be happy with it. But I just don't think 
I, I, as I said, I think we've been too fortunate as United fans, especially being born in the early 90s. Like every single year you were expecting to be challenging. Obviously, it's not been as like uh, as often recently. Yeah. But five years. No. But if you know what I mean, we've always been yeah, yeah. there. What? So you've almost kind of got to accept that we're not at that level at the moment. And yeah, seeing Arsenal the way they're playing at the moment is is actually like enjoyable to watch especially the fact they've got like a couple of young English players as well in there yeah yeah so as an England fan it's obviously like a good process that you've been through might have been painful for you for a couple of years but Still you, you're obviously now. seeing that yeah sometimes um, you're obviously seeing the like the fruits of that now but yeah I, I mean I don't think United fans in general would be happy with it but personally as long as you did start seeing those like patterns forming and trying to play Look, it's not going to be an overnight fix. I don't think it ever will be at United. But It's not yeah. United fans that have to put up with it, though, to be fair. It's the board and the people in charge that have to kind of commit to that process. Um, TK, a rumour that we've long held the belief um, will kind of unfold for about three years now, I'd say. The Athletic are reporting today that Harry Kane is United's number one striker option for the summer. And they're aware that it'll cost surplus of £100 million to be able to get that deal over the line. Um, that, to me, doesn't sound like a club that are committed to starting from scratch. Doesn't sound like a club that's learned its lessons, does it? Um, well, are, are they just thinking you put Potch and Kane back together and... We've run it back, yeah. Over, yeah. Yeah, that is... That would just be a continuation of what they've been doing, isn't it? Big money signing, without much planning as to how it's going to be put into a team. I mean... Does that factor in Ronaldo also stay in that rumour as well? Well, they say in there that Ten Hag in his meeting referenced the possibility of playing two up front. I mean, yeah, that's just Ronaldo and Kane up top. I mean, don't get me wrong, at some point they'll score a lot of goals in the same game, won't they? And we'll all think it's incredible. But for probably 10 games after that, they'll be figuring out how do we do this. Neither of them got any legs. Uh, certainly in terms of everything Braz has talked about, in terms of uh, creating a style of play, those two aren't what you're going to be building off, are they? An ageing Ronaldo and Kane, what is he going to be turning 30? He's turning 29. 29. Yeah, so with miles on the clock my, on those ankles as well, it's not a... My worry be... is we could, we could very easily, well, not very easily, it's going to be difficult to do, but United as a club, if they really wanted to, could probably go out and get Kane, Rice and Rudiger. Jesus. If they, How much do you think I mean, there's worse things <laughs> There is worse things that could happen, but they could throw stupid wages at Rudiger that Chelsea can't do currently. Um, That's about 250 you, million there, plus Rudiger's wages. Yeah, exactly. And you'd Jeez. still be throwing 300k a week to Kane and Rice, probably. So, oh, for sure. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy option, but if United stay with the way they've been doing things recently it's like in the current market that is something that they could go out and do it's it's worrying so, seeing how you're doing business because you've obviously got a new manager coming in it's no secret that you've got a new manager coming in and supposedly kind of the new structure you've got in place is to empower the manager to be able to kind of shape the club how you'd like it to be done giving bruno fernandez a new deal when he's got three years left to run already and you're doubling his wages and some now um 
under no illusions that a manager is going to at least want to use Bruno Fernandes, but that's a strange call to kind of be making these moves now before you've got the guy in place. In probably his worst bit of form, arguably since he's been at the club. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah, he has, he has been poor recently. The, mm. only, the only thing I can think, it frustrates me that obviously Ish United that always happens, but like as soon as we talk to anyone about like this this managerial role, everyone knows about it. Like surely someone somewhere can keep this behind closed doors until and they should have been doing this as soon as they got rang uh, Rangnick in. They should have been mm. basically looking right. You're here to the end of the season, right? What what's the next step? And they haven't. They clearly haven't thought about that. So they're now like, oh right, we've got eight games left of the league season. Oh, we probably need someone new in the summer. Oh, let's start thinking about it now. And you think about the amount of players that are on like free contract agreements or going like clubs yeah. in the summer for relatively cheap money, I'd say. Like we talked about it the other day, like that Graven Burt going to Bayern, Bayern. thirty mil euros. Yeah, yeah. Like if we do get Ten Hag, who clearly likes Graven Burt, who plays for him, like if we'd have agreed that deal with Ten Hag in January, February, then who's saying that Gravenberg doesn't say, actually, I'd like playing with him at Ajax, I'll follow him to United. There's a number of these things um, going on. Supposedly, there's been no more than two conversations with Rangnick since he joined about personnel that needs to come in in the summer. And his role in bringing in the new manager is limited, to to say the most. Um, It it doesn't feel like there's a plan in place. And as you said, it may be that behind the scenes, all of this is going on, but I, I don't know. It's a strange way to go about doing things because we know since news is broken about uh, this interview that United have had with Ten Hag, uh, apparently two other clubs are known to have shown interest in him as well. And United are looking at two other managers, at least that aren't Ten Hag or Poch and weren't on the initial shortlist to be the interim, so it rules out um, Favre and uh, Valverde. I think it's Le Pettigree, isn't it? It's one of them. Yeah, From what I've been reading, which I'm not sure. But Is, is there it just, any it, way... It just they... thinks of not really planning anything. I mean, what have we the got Le now? Got one is, his name's popped up constantly, though. He popped up with the Spurs yeah. job. He must have an interest in coming over here. Yeah. His agent's really tarting him out, isn't it? Yeah, I think because you're in Spain as well, it's easier where they've all got release clauses. What would you say to these admittedly unsubstantiated rumours about Roberto Mancini returning to Manchester? It's not going to happen, is it? I think I saw something today <laughs> that basically said that he's going to... Uh, him and the Italian Football Federation have basically agreed that he's going to stay on, I think. so. The reverse Tevez. Yeah, I can't imagine it. The World Cup um, being in Christmas is just screwed everyone, really. Yeah, it's a good job that we uh, we're we're not trying to qualify for the World Cup if we do get Mancini in it. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) You look at uh, like Luis Enrique be on the market. You'd imagine if the World Cup was in the summer. um, I saw news breaking that Arsenal were supposedly trying to get Tite in uh, from Brazil, which stinks of maybe Edu trying to do some work behind the scenes. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure with you. What What do you think will happen? Um, 
do you think it'll be Ten Hag that does get over the line? For me, that, that feels like there's almost too much smoke there. So I, I, I think that I hope so. I hope so personally. I think I said it when I was on when the news broke about Solskjaer being sacked that I, I wanted Ten Hag, and I hope it is Ten Hag. I just think he just offers a different style of play, and that's obviously when Solskjaer was there and we had that amazing away unbeaten record. Obviously, the games were enjoyable, but I'm sure TK will agree when Liverpool under Klopp at the start. Although they were enjoyable to watch and they'd score loads of goals, they were also a nightmare to watch because every time the other team attacked, it looked like you were going to concede. Some stress. And, yeah. And I just feel like you'd rather a team... Because I don't think our problems are too much defensively. I think with a little bit of coaching, our back other than Maguire, <laughs> and I'm assuming that wan goes in the summer. So if you play your back four... <laughs> That's never happening. No, it's probably not. Not but Ricky Penny that like, way. When we look at uh, the summer and you look at like the price you were trying to get for Lingard for just a loan, um, when United fans are talking about you need to get Maguire out the door, you need to get Rashford out the door, you need to get wan out the door, I, I don't see United taking these cuts that Arsenal are willing to do when you have to pay a William to go out the door. You, you have to get rid of no, it, cut your losses on some of these guys. United look like they have losses. no appetite to a do that cuts. and their contracts no. are bigger. Yeah, they won't get rid of Maguire. They because could if... potentially sell Wan-Bissaka. I don't even want Rashford to go. Oh, well, still... there's talk today that he's going to get a new contract. That's what ESPN are reporting. But I would say tomorrow if I'm a bid came in... Contract, of... But I'm not saying I would get rid of him. I just, there's still a player in there. There's they're always he keeps getting linked with us, which I, I don't want that. Um, but this, I don't know what it is with him at the moment. But he just, you you can clearly see there is a player in there. Obviously, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't have scored as many goals as he did last year if he wasn't a wasn't a player. I think is it might be confidence because every time he gets the ball, when he was at his best last season, every time he got the ball, he used to drive at people. He used to take people on, get in the box, and that's why he won so many penalties. The Bruno obviously dispatched, but. This season, every time he gets a ball, it's almost like, oh, I've got to get it in the box as soon as possible. I don't know if that's what they, they've been told to do because they've got Ronaldo and he's fantastic in the air, so get the ball in the box and he'll score goals. I don't know if that's what they've been told to do or not, but it seems to have had like a really detrimental effect on his play because he always I... seems to want to put the ball in the box now rather than drive at people. And that's, that's when he's at his frightening best because he is so quick. If he I think his thing started as a... I think it started as a physical thing. Obviously, he needed that surgery for quite a while, and we yeah. all knew it. And yeah. it started as a physical thing, and then it's become a mental thing. Just because, and it's purely a case of the longer you go about playing and scoring regularly, it's now started to get in his head more and more. I think. I think you could watch him yeah. get less and less confident as he's watching him play. I think yeah. he's resentful. I think he thinks, oh, "Look, what I put my body through last year for you, and you're going to treat me like this." Now it's not going. It's not suddenly going so well. Um. With the selling players, if a bid came through, say from Southampton tomorrow, ten million pounds to Maguire, shouldn't United accept it? Ten million pounds? Yeah, no chance. They want, they want a minimum of forty, won't they? But you're not getting that. Is is the thing, isn't it? No. So this is like, are United going to be prepared to kind of take the losses to get these guys off the books, oh, and then never, um, because. United have seven of the ten highest earners in Europe. 
and they're battling Arsenal for fourth place. That's the most brutal part of the... It's a bad look, isn't it? Yeah. The most brutal part of it is that they are still this commercial powerhouse and just so bad in a footballing sense. It just... You're kind of of better off being shit across the board than being good at one half and not good at the other. But I do also think... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, I can't imagine it helped the Salah contract negotiations when you're seeing... He's he's being paid 300 grand a week. Yeah, they're fucking the rest (laughs) of us. What they've done. The uh, I'm all for the new UEFA they... rules anyway about how you've done historically. Bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> Might get us back in the CL. I I do think with it is some of this stuff with United with getting a manager in. There seems to be this sort of cho- like this idea that there has to be some sort of choice between right we're building towards something or right we're putting all the chips on the table and trying to go in now, but pretty much always there's a balance in the two anyway but besides even if you've got a manager in you know Brad was talking about going back to basics whatever even if you're stripping everything back you know they aren't going to be in a worse position than they are now fighting for European football is their sort of perennial position they're not going to be so bad in this rebuild or whatever that they're going to drop to like mid-table mediocrity or a relegation fight so there's kind of like a it's like there's a choice on the table that isn't actually there so you may as well go with someone and give someone the keys to it and, and commit to a style of play and build towards something. Because even if you fall short, it's no different to where you're at currently. There's no real risk attached to it. Well, there was a bit of a narrative at the start of the season, wasn't there? Particularly when Arsenal had lost the first three games that, look, you need to buck your ideas up now because Villa are coming, Leicester are coming. I think Everton were thrown in that mix at one point. And we've seen this season that yes, those sides are improving. <laughs> but yeah, they're probably not improving as much as people would like to make out despite a good run of form. So there is some, still some more leeway to do this. Mm. I did want to have a talk about Pochettino, and I don't know if perhaps he's being a bit disrespected by not just United fans, but kind of football fans in general. Um, it's being held against him what's gone on at PSG. When you do look at what happened at Spurs, yes, they didn't get silverware, but he did take them to a Champions League final, and the squad they have, no matter how much Spurs fans romanticise romanticize over it, it wasn't one of the best teams in Europe. Um, is there a case that perhaps where Poch's failures are more readily available for us to see? They're kind of dangled in front of us, whereas Ten Hag is maybe making some of these mistakes and he has some of the same issues, but they're just not as glaringly obvious to us. Yeah, you've got to take into consideration that Ten Hag was the Ajax manager who threw away the three-goal lead, wasn't he, against Tottenham? Mm, yeah. In that yeah. game. So maybe that is something that, because PSG's just a higher-profile league, you might have a very good point that, and obviously they're a massive commercial powerhouse as well, that they... Well, because all these things were held against Tuchel, weren't they? Yeah, this is it. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, Tuchel's shown probably how mad it is at PSG by what he's done at Chelsea. Shows how crazy it was. PSG just provide good kits. Chuck an end badge on it and they just provide good kits. There is a difference, though. win league guns. Because when you go from PSG, and it does show the difference between a Man United and I guess everyone else, you go from PSG to Chelsea and the mentality there, at least from the outside looking in, does feel considerably different. Um, he's got Thiago Silva back there, but even just the kind of the bodies they've got in midfield, um, the kind of characters they have at the back. When you compare that, talent-wise, it's going to be worlds apart, but are the mentalities in the United dressing room that much different to the PSG one? Like, if you struggle with the mentalities there, 
is there going to be a big difference at United? Because they've kicked up a stink about every manager we can remember them having since Fergie left. So you, you don't know how much of a difference a manager like that's going to be able to make. And we don't know if, if Ten Hag is the manager that can handle those kind of personalities. So it's a really, really tricky one to manage. I saw us being linked with like Simeone and as much as I would love that. Cause... You don't want that or every week. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> can you imagine? It'd be fun like, for us watching. Yeah, but I would actually almost prefer that because you just know that he's just like if someone's not doing what he wants, you ain't playing again. Like you've got to play over his way, or you're just not playing. We would soon and find think... out who the characters are because we constantly yeah. have this thing of like this is a sort of rotten dressing room, and you got. And I always think like, well, give us some names then because we kind of we've worked through these players. At one point, oh, it was Lukaku, and you got Lukaku. Oh, stop, hang on, it's still. Okay. It's yeah, yeah. Probably obviously get a lot of the blame. You know, he's not there half the time, so it can't be in. There's Martial. Yeah. Oh, wait, he's yeah, Martial. He's, well, he's being accused we were... of being lazy by Sevilla fans now. <laughs> yeah, that's at least shocking news. <laughs> Trippier said that Simeone would phone him at like half eleven at night and tell him about a mistake he made um, on a set piece <laughs> in like the game before. And he'd be like, I'm trying to sleep. What are you doing? To me? Yeah, I don't. I think the it would be, uh, the feeling it would be with Simeone horrendous, but at the same time, it would be. I would love it. United fans would be tired of that after ten games. I wouldn't. If you thought the uh, if you thought the Van Hal style of play was a tough watch, Simeone would. Uh... But uh, they are yeah, at desperate times. Yeah. They're, they're at desperate yeah, times. But if United didn't want to pay a release clause or pay the money to get Pochettino out. Simeone's the richest. He's the highest paid manager in the world. United yeah. are not paying that. I don't think you could win a Premier League playing his style of football. To be, to be perfectly honest, unless you were had the pieces in place. I, I don't think you could do that when you've got Liverpool and Man City in the league. But, um, you could do it with Chelsea, I reckon. Yeah, that's why I kind of stopped myself because hmm. that, the thought of that is... That's always felt a fairly natural fit. I've, I've always yeah, been yeah. surprised that hasn't. I remember when he was linked with us and it was like, it's all well and good people saying, we're going to be in your fight the characters. Like, you do have to have some kind of squad and the manager yeah. has to be able to... You kind of decimate the whole years. thing it's easier to do on football manager and they're trying to make it more difficult in terms of gutting an entire squad, but you just can't do it. It's it's very, very difficult no. to be able to do. Not as you can see with Arsenal at the moment, we've still got Cedric playing right back. Um, mm. is, so with, Your point about, give um, sorry, give about it, give it Hag, really. basically just his failings haven't been on show like Potch's, I think is pretty much spot on in terms of, that's what I was going to say, that when Brad was saying that he preferred Ten Hag, I was like, I think we've really got much of a muchness there. It's just, we don't know that much more about Ten Hag because the Ajax job comes with probably limited risk, really. Whereas like, Poch, we've kind of seen it. The PSG is kind of the risky job because you should win. Yeah, yeah. Win. Anything you don't, it gets highlighted. What we've said about Ertzel and Pogba, where uh, kind of you romanticise these people more when they're not playing and when you can't see them. And so if you just check in flash scores each week, and I'm not claiming I sit there, I can't remember the last time I watched Ajax, but if you are just watching, you say, oh, Ajax won again today, that 10 odd must be good. Yeah, you go back to the run they had, and that was a pretty feel-good story and everything, and I suppose it fits in that quote-unquote United DNA about bringing young players through a certain style of play. However yeah. true or false that's going to be, it all fits a certain narrative that they need, oh. seemingly. I think there's enough managers in this league that Bruno you can look at be, and say uh, probably don't write them off when you have one bad spell at a club. Like sometimes a manager and a club just don't mm. fit. Bruno will be Ten Hag's Tadic. I saw someone say that, and I, 
So someone say you can't dribble and you can't hold the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did see right. someone saying like Trent gives the ball away more than uh, De Bruyne and Trent give the ball away more than Bruno. So I was like, yeah, but they <laughs> they're playing like decent crosses into the box, not just smashing it from like seventy yards away. Yeah, uh, you can also see a map of the positions in which they give the ball away, and Trent regardless of what you'd imagine for a right back, isn't giving the ball away in his own half. He's giving the ball away in like <laughs> this 10 area where he's up there pinging crosses and doing that kind of thing. De Bruyne doing the same thing. Bruno's losing it on like the, the edge of the centre circle. And it's like, yeah, th- these things are a lot different. There was a stat and it was... <laughs> Bruno has uh, lost the ball, I think it was 230 more times than Erdegaard this season. Yeah. Jesus. Honestly, I'm not surprised by it. If we talk about some international football that we did have this week. So Italy were eliminated 1-0 by uh, North Macedonia in the World Cup qualifying. Did any of you take this game seriously enough to watch the game? Because more people appeared to be watching it than I thought. It was on the same time as the uh, Apprentice final, I I acknowledge. Um, But I yeah, I wasn't paying too much attention. For about 80 it, minutes, I saw it was nil-nil. Yeah, was it one of those where it just picked up some traction when people thought, oh, hang on, this is a bit closer yeah. than, than we thought it was going to be? Yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people were watching the Wales game and then probably switched over when... Yeah, yeah, true. But... I can't I can't say that I watched it. I was, I just got down to Devon and I was in the... <laughs> in, the in the lodge, mate. I, I, yeah, I can't say I was watching it, so um, yeah, I just saw it on. Well, I think the first recollection I have of the game was PK saying "fuck Jorginho," <laughs> <laughs> which I'm assuming was his missed penalty. This is just pure what? just pleasure from someone else's misfortune. Nothing well, else. I was going to ask uh, you about this, um, and I've seen both sides, and it does maybe tie in with the celebration place that we were speaking about last week. <laughs> I completely understand the laughing at Italy. The thing that got me was I saw some tweets and it was like uh, karma, justice has been served. And it's like, well... To daring to beat us. <laughs> it's like, to be fair, they've still got a trophy and we haven't. Yeah. They've well, not someone... played a World Cup knockout game since 2006. And, and yet they've, they've won, won a World Cup more recently than us, yeah. and Euros more recently than us. <laughs> I saw, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was talk, talk so I shouldn't give it any credence, but there's some, someone put out a thing, would you accept like, a Euros win and then not qualify for the next tournament or something like that, or a World Cup and not qualify for the next four or whatever? It's like, obviously we would. We haven't won anything. Of course we would accept it. What are we doing? We're qualifying for most tournaments, but we don't win them. Of course we would accept a fucking win. Yeah, to be fair, that, that one tournament we were out of was horrible, but it was great fun, actually. As well. It was a good tournament. We yeah. We on that. Yeah, 2008. A really good one. Um, Yeah, with this, it, it is a rough look. I mean, people said what they said about the African Cup of Nations, but it doesn't play well when there was all the discourse about European teams should get more qualifying places when you saw that some of the teams that were having to go through the playoffs this time around and then when Italy going out to North Macedonia, I think it vindicates all of the other countries around the world saying, well, yeah, it's it's not all about you. Um, we I deserve mean, these spaces as well. South America should write about it. I mean, you could probably have almost all the South American teams have an argument for getting in. 
and yeah, only so obviously yeah, only, well said. only a select obviously if you can so yeah but it's also a good one for uh, bearing in mind how often we see about what's the point in these qualifiers which I do get it when you're watching them it absolutely feels that way but sort of you can't just go right no minnows really allowed to have a go because otherwise this is how North Macedonia have got it really they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been doing this otherwise you know about how good the goal was yeah that was it or Donnarumma. Did we question the keeper as well? Was it actually Donnarumma? I just saw the keeper. Yeah, if I, Pickford, it I know what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the top seven South American teams should definitely be mm. within it. Well, Peru is probably the one that you've taken. Don't insult our Peruvian boys. Yeah, they're, I was about to ask how are, they're doing. They are, they are actually fifth at the moment, so they'll have a playoff. Thank you. But uh, so you've got Brazil, Argentina, Ecuador, Uruguay. Peru, Colombia, and Chile currently outside the places of mm. um, qualification. But Jorginho is a disgrace. Um, <laughs> his balance on the same placing, page on that. Yeah, he's only yeah, going right. to get worse and worse and worse. And for all the stick, and I think I have said this previously, I, I wouldn't swap Jack over Jorginho. In that in that situation, I'm yeah, at least Jacker is at least pulling that guy down. I mean, I probably would rather play myself or you than either of those. I'm not sure I've got the legs for a defensive midfield position, but uh, we'll let you, enjoy, let you and Jorginho have a race. We'll see you. <laughs> Just stand me next to uh, Insigne in uh, the national team lineup, and it won't be uh, look how tall this bloke <laughs> is next to him anymore. I'll be the size of him next to him. <laughs> Good, though. I mean, I've seen Ronaldo's been doing his uh, stuff ahead of their game. You should team should always be a favourite when I'm playing. Blah blah blah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind just muzzling him and Ibrahimovic for good. But I don't uh, know why people keep what do keep put, keep putting a microphone in front of us. Like didn't he do his thing the other day of like. I'm not going to retire because I still don't see anyone better than me. Or yeah, something. It's like, yeah, there's yeah. been someone better than you your entire career. So yeah. in that case, you should never have started, son. It, the the main thing this did do was just give me that excitement for the World Cup because it did just kind of feel like, okay, this is happening. Uh, I'm genuinely so dejected that that's in the winter and we're going to have a summer with no tournament. I'm genuinely dejected about it. Yeah, I was more dejected after watching England, to be honest, um, on Saturday. Yeah, that seems fair. Um, when is Scotland playing Ukraine in that? It's not been arranged. Uh, to be honest, it's probably going to be one where Scotland get a pass. Um, but I think they're just trying to find the uh, nicest way of doing it. <laughs> Tricky. <laughs> because there's no way you can do it without the bad press, but there is also no way that they're going to put a Ukrainian team together. It'd be very Scotland to lose it if they do. They've got, <laughs> got a left back playing at Everton, centre mid at do any of the Ukrainian players actually play in Ukraine? Well, I think it's a lot of them have, to, have had to return home. Mm. What What do you think of uh, Burnley having a move rejected where they were going to sign Victor Moses for the to the end of the season and the Premier League rejected it? It's harsh, isn't it? I mean, I know it's an emergency loan or whatever they want to call it, but the bloke's literally in Russia with a contract to stay there because he's got no other option. Yeah, he's either got to buy himself out or 
well, we spoke, didn't we, previously about uh, all these relegated teams are just preparing lawsuits like already for just all these circumstances <laughs> throughout the season. And that probably is just one they'd look to add to the list. Like, yeah, Victor Moses on the bat phone to save you. Yeah, Bernie have already postponed half the season for themselves. <laughs> Get a battle of the games on Victor Moses. Not that I'm saying he would keep him up, but. No, but it would be great if he did, especially over Everton. Oh, um, don't, don't seize me. Moses and Corne, either side of the big man. Well, yeah. horse. <laughs> the that's more a, that's a front three for the ages, isn't it? We we briefly saw in the last couple of fixtures Southgate revert to a four at the back. Him going to five at the back against Switzerland. Should we read a lot into that? Is it the players he's got available? Is it? Couldn't trust your boy Ben White. That's what that tells me. Wow. It's pretty ridiculous that he wasn't starting. Came in late. And then, I mean, it sounds pretty foolish when you say, other than the mistake for the goal, I think it was a great <laughs> cross, to be honest. But, it was um, a very good cross, to be fair. He was very good. Uh, aside from that, the, the main thing I would say is look what happens when you put someone next to Connor Cody, a bloke that can't pass a ball six yards. <laughs> it's good for morale, Luke. It's good for morale, all right? Sure, yeah. yeah if it wasn't yeah. Ben White, Connor Cody would still have a clean sheet record for England. Yep. I'm not sure about ben that. White, ben White marks his man. Win that 2-0. Ben, ben White, and not to be a stats guy completely here, but one more in the air than everyone else, more tackles than everyone else. I mean, he put in a fair he shift, two positions. But we got, we got no win. I think the greater questions need to be answered about why the hell is Phil Foden playing centre-forward? Trying to be Man City, it? it doesn't work when you've got Foden up top and you've got Kane up top, and both of them are dropping in. Yeah, you just had no one in the box. I don't it, understand the whole five at the back, anyway. To be fair, I no, mean, it's... I understand it when Maguire plays because you can't trust him, but <laughs> you what? could easily play Stones and White in a four oh. at the back. But still, Oof. I mean, I like, I like Ben White. I'm not sure I want him alongside John Stones, to be honest. That, um, that concerns me. I quite like the thought of him and Gerhi, to be honest, um, if we were to be able to see it. Now, they're never going to start that way in uh, the World Cup game, but I like, I like it on paper. Do you think... Who else would you have, though? We just need to be, and we're just beating the same old drum, but I, I thought the midfield was pretty uninventive. Um, Henderson does uninventive. his job, but you, but you need... Like if if I'm gonna play Henderson in England midfield, then I probably want a Bellingham next to him. Um, Foden centre forward was just a horrible move when you've got like Tammy Abraham on the bench. You've got Ollie Watkins there; he's gonna do a better job. Just if you're gonna play Foden effectively, you're shoving him on the wing because we're not playing with a ten at the moment. If you play five at the back, you can't play. You have to play two strikers, don't you? Well, you could do the kind of Chelsea formation where they almost go 5-2-3. Three, 3-4-2-1, three. Three, four, three, four, they? Yeah, and it kind of changes the where you're off the ball. But and then you drop in. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just painful to watch just in general watching England, but it, it doesn't fill me with any more confidence that... But that's the kind of game that you should go into. And I know it's a friendly, but that's the kind of game you try stuff and you try and go at the back. It doesn't matter if you lose. Felt like Friendly he picked the, the most boring team he could possibly pick. Yeah, he tends to, doesn't he? <laughs> that's exactly what he tried doing. And uh, this... like you still you want to 
be exciting. Like, you want to get people behind you. you. There's only eight months to the World Cup start. Like, I think potentially with that, I mean, I don't think there's much doubt in my mind that he'll go free at the back in the tournament, right? Yeah, seems so, that way. So to that end, maybe it is just getting players in the team. You know, Ben White doesn't normally play in a free. People like that, that you're going to have some some level of understanding of what you're going to be asked to do come tournament time. So I, I think he did it for Brighton. He, he, he did the kind of hybrid right back role. Yeah. I think he was he just will an example. Go five I was using. Um, yeah, with... but will he play five at the back in the World Cup? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think you... Any time we've sort of defaulted, yeah, we've gone to that, haven't we? Uh, in the Euros, we went four, didn't we? And then as soon as we had any kind of interest in opposition, we went to a five. Mm. I think, and this is this is the same criticisms I've said previously, we now, and I've sung Henderson's praises on him more times than I can count. I like him as a player. I don't know why you're not putting Bellingham and Rice together in a midfield for as many I minutes as you possibly can. I certainly don't see the point in playing Henderson in this game. You know what you're getting from it, don't you? Yeah, then, just I want to see those two together build some kind of understanding. We saw what Rice was able to do with Kelvin Phillips um, in the Euros. Now, I don't think even the biggest Leeds fan is going to say Phillips is a better player than Jude Bellingham as much as they're different players. Let's see what these two can do together. And then if it mm-hmm. comes that we need to pack it for a midfield three, if it's not going to work, but at least give the minutes together, give them some time on the pitch together and we'll see if it works. Have a word with Kane and tell him this is the formation and you're going to drop in or... Look, I appreciate what you do for Spurs. That's not the formation we're playing. We need you as a box, a, a goal mouth striker. It just feels like it's like, you know, we're all good, but we're all good mates here. We're good lads. Uh, no, I'm a nice guy. That's not really helping us win a tournament. I certainly think, thing, things with Kane, I think he would just go like, look, you're Harry Kane's so and you can do what you want. Which, as you said, we're going to need a, basically a, Focal point sounds bad. It sounds like we're just going to lump it up to him. But we need a, someone between the between the width of the goal, as some managers would normally say. And he just wanders too much. And the thing is, I've said it many times, if you're going to do that, we've got to have pace either side of him that can go beyond. Yeah. And then you can't have, you know, his obsession with Mason Mount means we've already got one yeah. down there already. And if Foden's the other one, and again, it's not that they're bad players, it's technically good players, but that wouldn't that wouldn't work. His goals in the Euros were effectively when he realised I don't need to be dropping back there and he stayed in around the box and he was just prodding at home. Desperation I think he goals, kind of think. has to do it a little bit more for Tottenham than he probably needs to it for England because he's got better players around him to play for England. So I think because he naturally does that for Tottenham, it's obviously his natural game that he drops a little bit deeper. But as TK said, if you don't have that pace like they do at Tottenham with Son and Kulosevsky going in behind, it's kind of redundant. Because everything ends but up being in front got, of the back four. If you have, yeah, if you have got those, like, obviously not as quick, but probably more technically gifted players like Mount, Conor Gallagher, Grealish, Foden, then that's the kind of time that you do play a little bit higher and then you do be that, like, you, you, are, you do stay in between the width of the goal and you, that's mm. where you get your goals. Your goals are in the penalty box. Whereas obviously he does score like a couple of goals from outside the box, but that's because he naturally plays deeper, so he almost plays in between the lines. His problem is, is like he is good at dropping off, but he gets just drunk on it. Yeah, sick with people but, talking about like his passing and stuff. So it is great. Yeah, it's not. I'm not disputing that. 
but you can get you can get drunk on it, and he definitely does. We also had um, elsewhere. Bale put in kind of a clinic of a performance to uh, guide Wales through. If we look, and if they get to the World Cup, this guy is probably going to need a club for six months to keep himself fit before he goes there. So it'll be very interesting to see what he fancies doing. Maybe he goes to Scotland with Ramsey. I don't know, but he goes to yeah, Scotland, well, doesn't he? What would he do? It's been very interesting. Spurs, Spurs do it again. I don't know if could be Spurs a run it back. It could be a Wales Scotland final, couldn't it, to qualify for? I think that's qualify. the yeah. Well, that's the lineup, well, isn't it? Will be yeah. If, uh, if Ukraine do get pushed aside, then it will be Wales Scotland. There's a mammoth fight there. Gareth Bale against my man Shea Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to go down as a tough one? PK's boy, John McGinn. Yep. Oh. <laughs> I think if I was doing a thing today of the five players I hated most in the league, McGinn probably wouldn't be on now, but if I was doing it mid-game, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to name anyone yeah. that's higher than him. <laughs> who, who are you saying is your number one in that ranking? I think I can guess who it is. Oh, uh, Son. Or Kane, okay. either or. <laughs> no, okay. It wasn't who I thought it was. Who do you think it would be? I thought it'd be Bruno. Uh, I mean, he'd be right up there. He's another one where <laughs> I don't appreciate how much I dislike them until during the game when I see him doing his little whingy face. He's got a very whingy face as well. And I gets on my nerves because I can't unsee that video of uh, him as Kermit the Frog where their voices are the same. So I just think of it every time. Um. But there we go. Anything else anyone wants to discuss before uh, we call it an evening? A good evening. I think that's all good, mate. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We will have something released this Thursday, if all goes to plan. Can't tell you what that is yet, but something will be out. We will be at the darts, so uh, won't be recording the movie Madness. We'll be back next Monday. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>